This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to a very strange episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a different style episode today. I'm here with my very good friend and bandmate, Paul Marc Rousseau. It's true, here I am. Here he is. He's right here beside me. I'm touching him. Yeah, stop that. Stop that. Ow. How'd that hurt my hand? I'm the one hitting you. I'm super jacked. Makes no sense. You are. Just stop flexing (laughs) over there. So yeah, so uh, we're doing weird stuff today. We decided... He's going to talk to me about stuff, and almost like I'm the one being interviewed, or maybe I am the one being interviewed. It's going to be different. It's going to be weird. We're recording this just live off the floor. Uh, You know, we're sitting in my apartment right now, and uh, we're going to see how it goes. So thanks for tuning in. Um, Before we get into this, I just want to make sure you guys know you can get in touch with me, uh, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. We have an Instagram at Lead Singer Syndrome as well. So check all those things out. Uh, probably naked pictures of Paul Mark on the Instagram coming soon. So definitely you want to be, uh, you want to, what do you do on, on, you follow? You follow. You want to be following the Lead Singer Syndrome Instagram for sure, for, for shirtless pics. Prepare yourself. We're ready. So, I mean, it's your, this is your first rodeo. Yeah. So uh, what's rodeo me? Let's see what you got for me. What are you going to ask me? I can't tell you what I'm going to ask you in advance. I think uh, we're just going to have to start at zero, which is where we're at now. This is an absolute zero. Absolute we're going to move forward. Negative 273 Celsius. Oh, my God. Zero Such Kelvin. Such a nerd. That's a, a great a, place a to start. Nerd. Yeah. Okay. Actually, that you answered one of my questions, which was, can I swear on this bullshit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You can't swear on this <laughs> bullshit. Yes. And then uh, my second question was, I was going to begin with, why are you such a nerd? And what's with this, you know? Where'd this come from? How do you know that thing you just said? Uh, dude, I like paid attention in school. I like surprisingly wasn't the kid smoking pot between periods. I was like, you know, studying and stuff. God, and look where and it got you. I, I know. Weird, right? But what's fucked up about it all is that I can't remember shit, man. I can't remember what happened yesterday. How do I remember what negative like zero Kelvin or absolute zero is? How do I know that? Why? It's completely pointless to my life. But yet, just right here, you made me look like a fool by knowing this. So, I mean, it's got some, there's some teeth know. to that knowledge. But it's, it's a weird thing, though. Wouldn't you agree, like, in our 
dynamic of our band and hanging out. Like there's times we're sitting around and I always feel like you, someone will have you having discussion. It's like, let's ask Shane. He probably knows this. I'm like, what, why would I fucking know that? And how many but of those it happens. T- yeah, And you do know pretty much every time I would say. Yeah. Or but like, there's always people like that. Like Josh's friend, Mark, for example, I know he at least knows more than me about everything. <laughs> like something. At least everything. Everything. Yeah, actually, I think so. He knows more than you about stuff that you don't even know you don't know about. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, that was a very, I, there's, you have a way of kind of like phrasing these weird like superlatives. Yes, I do. And I think I just did it. You did, like, a, you did it, a Shane told there. Yeah, yes, you did. We can't know till we know for sure. That's, that's why I say it all the time. And it's, it, truer words have not been spoken. It is true, man. Yesterday I was, uh, I was waiting in line at Bellwoods Brewery to see if I could get a quick beer and a drink before heading up to watch the Blue Jays game. Yep. And we only had about 20 minutes. And I was like, I said to Andrew, this isn't looking good. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. We just, we can't know till we know for sure. We got to ask. That's right. And so it's, yeah, it's a, it's permeated even a group of friends that you don't see that often. It's crazy, right? It's kind of like all the Yogi Berra-isms, you know? Uh, like the, it's ain't know. over till it's over or, ah. you know, that's the most famous one. Um, he said that first. Yeah, I think that's a yogi. So that's a man, not a bear. That's a man, not a bear. Baseball player, New York Yankees, catcher. Right. See, I just know stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Once you go down the rabbit hole of trying to know stuff about baseball, it's like a full-time job. I don't know how you do that. I mean, just been following it like my entire life. You know how much time I waste? Like it's baseball season. I watch pretty much every Blue Jays game. I would say like if there's six games a week, I probably watch. I'm not even kidding like i watch at least five of them usually all six do you know how much time that is i'm wasting especially because two of them this week went text earnings it's like a full, yeah like you're that's, in it that's right oh yeah i'm not, I'm not turning it off you're crazy i did turn the I, i'm ashamed to admit i turned it off because the raptors game was starting yeah you can't yeah. bleed into that no we got game seven today it's terrifying stuff i know when there are people who are listening to this we will know yeah if the raptors had a good one or a bad one yeah so they'll have to listen to the podcast do you you tape after this to hear your tone of voice and yes. they'll know. Hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. DeRozan. Why are you shooting 22 foot two pointers? <laughs> Just go to the hoop or shoot a three. What are you doing? Someone made a really good tweet that was like in the Pacers series. I think it was Mark Little. Do you know who Mark Little is? It's no, like I don't Canadian know. Mark comedian. No, he's really funny, but he, he posted a, if the Indiana Pacers erected a 40-foot wall in front of only DeRozan, he'd still try to hit a turnaround jumper over it. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's true, though. Yeah. So your love of sports is you, you don't hide this at all. And I mean, didn't you write something for ESPN one time? No, I was supposed to actually write something for ESPN. And but then I read I, the piece. Where did I read it? Oh, no. I think, what, I think that was maybe just for the Absolute Punk one. Oh, I think yeah. I was supposed to do a column uh, for them. Uh, like a monthly, ESPN. no, no, for Absolute, Absolute Punk, Punk with Drew over there. And I guess it's not even Absolute Punk anymore. It's like, oh, I have Chorus. no idea. FM or something. Yeah, it's all different. It's but, um, I was going to do a monthly column kind of relating uh, music to sports. And I think I did two of them. One about talking about backing tracks being like the steroids. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, I love that. Which, That's the yeah, one I remember. Yeah, I'll try to, I'll post a link um, somewhere so people can check it out. It's a, it was a pretty cool article. Oh, I hope it's still there. Maybe it's not even there if that website doesn't exist anymore. Oh, man. The internet is a terrible place. Yeah. Well, we could do the Wayback Machine thing. Wayback Machine, totally. If you guys don't know about Wayback Machine, it's it's this amazing website that lets you access 
any well pretty much any website from any time you just like pick the day of life that you want to go back that's to. right like you, you want to see espn.com on may 3rd 2006 and you can do that you can do that exactly you can see what the headline was or whatever you can even do it with uh silverstudentmusic.com actually you can, you can yeah. go to it and see some like probably some hilarious i don't know <laughs> badly written uh news posts or something i don't know yeah who's responsible but, for that you know i actually went to uh the ymca rocks website trying oh yeah to find an old picture of like my first band ever that's great. Yeah, man. Wayback Machine. That's a shit right there. Yes. But no, but yeah. So I wrote a couple of columns for that. And then I wanted to do it every month and I wanted to get kind of do like a sort of a blog thing. And uh, to be honest, just it was a combination of not having the time and not really having that many ideas I could relate to like <laughs> music and sports. Like I was like, okay, that's a good one. And then I don't even remember what the second one was, but, but no, man, like sports are, I'd say like probably my first love before music. It probably, you know, being a kid. I like you know had this the dumb dream like every kid is I'm going to be a baseball player. I mean like yeah, a lot of people want to do that. Did dude. you play baseball growing up? I did. Yeah. Were you good? I was pretty good. I mean I didn't I didn't play. My dad didn't want me to play like rep baseball. So I think because he just didn't want to spend every weekend like traveling you know somewhere in Ontario or in the U.S. to like play tournaments and stuff because my dad played rep baseball and I think he just didn't want to. I think he just. I, to be honest, I think he just didn't want want me to do it for maybe for some selfish reasons. Because dad, because you could. But, uh, <laughs> what, if you were better than him, it would be like a, oh, a sort of reckoning. Oh no! But there was a point of contention there. Like I remember, I had one baseball game. I went like four for four with like six dingers or something, <laughs> and uh, I, I had like the best game. And of course, my dad was like, "Yeah, pretty good game. He didn't run out, you know, didn't uh, run out that ball or whatever, or some some shit like that." And I was like. You know, how good were you, Dad, like, when you played? My, 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 come on. I'm not, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I was good. <laughs> so we always would talk like that. And basketball, too, because I played basketball even more seriously than I did baseball because I played for my school and stuff. And, uh, and with basketball, like, like, it was the same thing. My dad was, like, you know, I guess an on, like an Ontario, all-Ontario guy or whatever playing basketball. So... I was always living in my old man's shadow. And you will forever because he's got like forever. two feet on you. He does. He yeah. could dunk my dad is a sure. big man and he's I am enormous. not a big man. That's a strange, a strange thing, but it's a true thing. I always, I want to know how tall the mailman was. Oh boy. Ooh. Sorry, dad. Sorry, mom. <laughs> God. Yeah. Okay. Well, that just went down like a, I don't think we want to open that can of worms. No, that was a bit of a lead balloon. <laughs> Is that another uh, yogi? <laughs> I don't believe that's a yogi, but uh, no, that's another thing about about the way I speak and people laugh when I say certain expressions because my mom talks in expressions all the time, so yeah. I know all these random things. And people were like, "Ah, it's so funny!" Did you just make that up. I'm like, "No, it's probably an expression from like the 1950s." <laughs> this is it's an interesting thing. Like, I mean, you know, we spend a lot of time in you know overseas or in countries that don't primarily speak English and you start yeah. using expressions like that, especially for you expressions that confuse English speakers. Sure. You run into some problems with that. I would bet it's true, but that's, that's something that people don't like people speak English all the time. They don't realize how, what percentage of we speak in is expressions or in you idioms. Know, yeah. Idioms. Yeah. Or, or sometimes even references to things like quotes and movies and stuff, especially people our age, like, yeah, you know, 
I say like everything's coming up Millhouse, and like yeah. you say that to somebody in Russia, they'll be like, "What? What is a Millhouse?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. So you don't think they have the Simpsons in Russia? They probably do. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, now they probably. Oh, they think they definitely do. And like, lucky them because they get to go back all the way. It's all fresh. It they is. get it now. They get to like learn all this great Simpsons stuff. Why does Homer sound so different in season one? I don't understand. <laughs> and even I don't understand that. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm like I'm. You know. I think I'm too young to uh, have appreciated the early Simpsons as much as maybe some of my friends. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember when the Simpsons like came out. No. Yeah, I was like in grade four. I had a, I had a, I'm, <laughs> I had a, I'm Bart Simpson uh, shirt because the merch was huge, right? Like, well, I bet. It, the show came out. Everyone's wearing the merch. I had like a crew neck sweater that said, "I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you?" <laughs> and my neighbor, my friend that lived down the street, his mom like got all pissed that i wore it over to the house because said hell on because it. it said hell on it yeah and, and uh and then my friend said something about the shirt later because they didn't like kick me out of the house or whatever it was just like i think she might have spoke to my mother and we thought this was hilarious and then uh and then one day the same friend was like yeah you know the shirt that you have it says uh i'm bart simpson who the bad word are you oh no <laughs> i was like oh my god this is not we're not living in the deep south here this is not bible belt this is Canada, you know, actually but, that hey, but that happened like even. I had a Blink One Eighty Two shirt when I was in grade school, and it said uh, "Crappy since nineteen ninety two. Right, yeah, and crappy punk rock or something. Some, I yeah. think it, yeah, I don't remember. I guess exactly what it said, but it definitely said "crappy." And the teachers at school made me put a piece of tape over it every time I wore it. It's crazy, crappy. It's like, yeah, crappy is like the, oh, it's like the most flaccid swear word. Like flaccid is almost a worse word than crappy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel worse saying that. I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like, I don't know. There's words that offend me more. Like I hate the word Bluetooth. I just hate the way it sounds. (laughs) I'd rather crappy than Bluetooth. God, it's such an awful sounding word. Why? Do you picture someone with blue teeth or do you picture the jerks that have a Bluetooth headset and you just want to punch them? I do know that meme with the like the guy the like yeah, black yeah. guy with the blue teeth that's like is this bluetooth or whatever <laughs> right, that's not i what do I'm picture that <laughs> i don't know it's something i've something i think it's a meme or, or i don't know but i just like don't understand why you would name it that why bluetooth i don't know this this is not something i know it's not blue i know or stuff i don't know this all right well i guess uh can i make a pitch to your listeners right in if you know the answer right in this. please yes. right into uh, yes. whatever address shane has you right into. do the twitter do it on twitter yeah do it there but See don't ask me because I, I don't know. And at don't tell me. At Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N, yes. At Lead Singer Sin. S-Y-N. S-Y-N. The reason, the reason it's not at Lead Singer Syndrome, people are like, oh, it must have been taken. No. Twitter cuts you off at a certain amount of characters. They do, yeah. Those yeah. bastards. So, yeah, they, they want They're just exercising control over us at every moment. Everything they can do to hold us down. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. The man. Twitter's the man. They're the new man. I'd say, uh, what's the guy's name who uh, owns Facebook? Uh, Zuckerberg? Yeah, he's the man. He's the man. He's the first time we've actually had a man to be the man and blame him. He's the guy. They're doing some... I don't know about Facebook now. They're doing some... I think they're always doing some some real dirty stuff over there. Oh, for sure. I'm afraid that this is going to ruin my career by just by saying that, too. You know, it's too late, though, because they've already... Like, I have my iPhone sitting on the table right here, and they've been listening this whole time anyway. That's right. They're listening. And you're going to start getting ads about Bluetooth speakers. I am, yeah. That's right. The keyword Bluetooth... God, I can't believe I'm saying it this much. This is awful. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Facebook. We're talking about Twitter. And these are things that, like, do you, how much pull do you feel to have to use these things versus wanting to use them as, you know, as the singer of a band to bring this back to the original point here? That's a good here. point. That's a good question. Yeah. How much of this is, like, pleasure for you and how much of it is the job? 
I think I used to think of it as more of an annoyance, those things. Like, and it was like every time there was a new social media thing that came out, like, I'm, st- I'm going back like, to like when it was like Friendster, which I'm sure most people don't even remember. Like, it was like pre, it was like basically MySpace before MySpace. And all this stuff comes, and it's like every time there's a new one, it's like, fuck, I have to sign up for this fucking thing again. <laughs> like, what was the one? Ello yeah, or something? I still I get emails from them. Ah, oh, the worst. Yeah. What, what is, is that? it? What is it? I don't know. But there's all this shit, you know? Um, but I do legitimately enjoy. And this isn't even bullshit. I do legitimately enjoy the fact that I can interact with people and with fans and stuff. Like I can post something and get feedback on it, whatever it is. And if you don't have that, um, how are you also you going to get that like sort of feedback or that connection with people? Like, I mean, you could email or whatever, but that's like, I don't know. It's kind of like a big thing going through emails, having to email each person back, writing, you know, this is like, oh, I got a tweet. Cool. I can like it. I can acknowledge that I like saw that and thank you. Um, so that stuff's like I think that stuff's all really like cool to be to be a musician, a singer, and be able to have that. You know, I mean, in, in some ways it's a bit like superficial of a connection, but it's still like, I mean, it's such a different world from where I grew up. Like if I could could fucking like my favorite band when I was a kid was Metallica. If I could send Kirk Hammett. You know, a, a tweet being like, hey, man, sick solo uh, on Enter Sandman, dude. And he can just like it. I would have lost my fucking nine-year-old shit. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I never, I have a hard time kind of like reconciling with that. And like, you know, someone, a fan tweets and you like the tweet. And then you think, well, that was really easy for me. Like, I read the tweet. Glad to receive it. But you don't think about how that's going to affect. I don't know. I think sometimes people have this idea that you're just like too busy to do anything and you're just you're living this like rock star life and it's like oh my god you, he, he actually has a phone and he has a like he <laughs> looks at it and stuff he's not like it's not his manager because people think that people are like oh no it's probably his manager that like replied to this tweet or something yeah. you know if and people only knew how much time you spent just sitting on a couch looking at your phone i know it's probably way more than most i'd say more than 90 percent of the people listening to this but yeah most people have to go to work for like eight hours yeah. a day that yeah. is you going to work. This is me going to work. That's yeah. true. But I'll tell you, man, this Snapchat is, uh, I'm kind of having fun with it now. Oh, it's the best. It is kind of the best. It's the best one. It's so weird talking about this because I, and originally I was like, this is definitely the lamest thing. And uh, like the, the fact that everything is temporary, which is actually kind of awesome. Best you part. Know? And, then, and then I'm just like, oh, then people are going to just send me like pictures of their penises and stuff all the time, which has only happened once. Don't get any ideas, people. I don't want to see that. To be fair, that was me, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're going with the Instagram pics later. We're going to put uh, shirtless Paul Mark just to get more followers. You did screen grab that uh, dick pic I, I sent you oh, on yeah. Snapchat, oh, I too. Oh, I have no shame in screen grabbing. I'll do it <laughs> all day long. Uh, but no, but Snapchat's rad, and um, I think it's kind of going to be the next real big thing, I think. I think it already is. So follow me. I think thing. my... Fuck, I don't even know my username. It might be real... Shane told. I think it is real. Shane told something super pompous. Yeah, I remember when you got when you signed up, you posted that you you weren't trying to be pompous. It's just that some someone took your name. Someone took my name, and I had I hit them up too and was like, "Hey, can I get my name?" And then they didn't. Yeah, say what's it like? Do you feel entitled to have your own name because, like, in no uncertain terms, you are? I would say like a more searched out Shane told on the internet. I, honestly, I don't think there's another one. My last name, it's. I mean, it's super easy. Like people are still like, oh, that's told. What a weird name. But I don't think there's another Shane told in the world. 
Because there's not a lot of tolls. So you think that it's someone who is a fan and oh, snatched yeah. up the name? I, don't, I think so, for sure. So in that case, do you feel like they should hand it over to its rightful owner? Um, I don't. I don't know if I feel entitled. I think it'd be a nice thing to do because I don't know why they would want to have my name, except perhaps for the purposes of getting people to send them naked pictures of their penises or Malicious something. intent. Right, because that, you know that, that's a real thing. But yeah, I've had that happen to me where people... I had a girl come up to me at a show one time and you know, comes up to me and is like, hey. I'm like, hey. She's <laughs> like, yeah, you know. It's a, she starts talking to me and I have like no idea who she is or what she's talking to me about. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And she's like, ha, 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 ha. Like, thinks I'm fucking with her. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know. And she's like, it's me. Like, I don't remember her name. Like, let's just, let's go with Maria. It's me, Maria. And uh, I was like, I'm I'm sorry. And I guess she was just started like crying because I guess somebody was pretending to be me on the internet, and they were talking for like months and months. Oh, and man. like, she's telling this person all their problems, and like, then I'm there. And it's like, what am I gonna do? Like, I don't, you know, I feel bad for her, but so this is yeah. You, you know? bring up an interesting point where it's like that. We are kind of like all valuing, valuing privacy and anonymity on the internet right now. But there is a point with someone in your position where it, it can actually be damaging if someone pretends to be you. Of course it can. Yeah. It's not, it's not cool. I don't know. There's, there's got to be some law against it. I don't but know. maybe not. I don't think there is. I think the internet moves faster than the legislation yeah. can. Someone, I had a, I'm sure you've had this too, but like a fake Facebook profile. Someone was pretending oh, yeah, to yeah, be tons me. Of them. It's tons just of like. Them. Why? Don't do that. I, I I'm not know. trying to, like, don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. No, it happened to me, too, like, a long time ago, too. I was, like, talking to a, a girl, very pretty girl. And then, and I was like, yeah, she's kind of just kind of sketchy. Like, she doesn't want to, like, actually hang out or actually talk or something. And then I ended up, like, Googling, like, something about fake profile. And they had, like, the most common stolen photos. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, totally the number one photo. Nice. And I'm like, fuck, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Talked to her for like a month. Yeah, the that, worst. That's dude. happening though. I know, like a, a friend of mine who I, I won't name uh, was on was you know on Tinder, chatting to some girl. Oh, Tinder, yeah. And uh, it was an it was not only a fake person but a bot. Like it wasn't even a real oh wow like human behind the keys because it was just like it obviously picked up keywords and would just like say a random response. So like I had a bad day. It's like. Bad days are bad. Like I hope your good days are better. Like was, bad days are bad. That sounds like something yeah, I would say. It does. And you know what? The bot is not wrong. No, but it's like that's scary stuff. Yeah, that's weird though. Cause I don't know. I I don't never. I don't have Tinder. I don't think I want to go down that road. That's weird. Um, but I thought it was more just like a hookup thing. But I guess it's not really. It's more. People. I mean, they can call it a hookup thing, or they maybe it was supposed to be. But people want true love. You know. Okay. They want it. They're gonna, they're looking for it in all the wrong places. As maybe who says that? What's that song? Looking for. Li- I know the song. I don't know who sings that song. Neither do I. All right. That's another thing you guys got to tell Shane about. So yep. Just tell us. Shane about that. But you know, scream it at your radio right now. <laughs> scream it. That song is interesting though, because like it's, it, it's got like a really obviously focused point, and it's something that a lot of people can relate to. But of course, it's like such a enormous track like how authentic do we think that song actually is i don't know this is i don't know this is kind of the thing i i always think about in terms like when i think about different songs and i wonder what your opinion is on this but like you take you know as a songwriter you're usually inspired by some you know specific thing that has you feeling you know a, a raw emotion one way or the other yeah and then you're faced with this task which is you have to make that a song and there are like 
you know, some unwritten, some written rules about like what sure. that's going to be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so you have to find this weird balance between your raw, unedited feelings and the version of your feelings that will be a song that fits into like a chorus. Right. And- you have to dumb it down in some capacity. Like you can't, no one's ever written down words that they've felt and, and exactly said it in a song. I don't think or at least not, I mean, a, not, not a song a that anyone's song. heard. Yeah. Not a good song, yeah. So yeah, you're right. That's that's something that I totally struggle with um, as a songwriter, like trying to figure out what, yeah, what the message is going to be and how much of it is going to be real from my like soul and my heart. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. how much of it is just like, well, I'm going to put this line in here because I think people are going to be able to relate to it or like sounds cool or, or like you need a line there or I need a line there that rhymes a, with another exactly. line. Absolutely. So that's, it's a constant problem. Um, but I think it's interesting for me because the, when I first started writing songs for Silverstein, it was kind of the first time I'd really written like the gut wrenching, like, you know, scrape the scrape my soul out with a spoon New kind song of words. Yeah, scrape my soul out with a spoon. Not bad. That's pretty good, yeah. I'm just picturing like a pumpkin, you know, when you're scraping yeah, out the guts. That's what I'm picturing too. Good, eh? See? Yeah. This is it, yeah. Scrape out my stomach like a pumpkin. Because now Silverstein is a butt rock band. <laughs> Halloween butt rock. Oh, God. All right. Let's get back. I, I think this is a good idea. Okay. We're going to come back to it. So, uh, yeah, I so, want to know more about what you but, think but about no, this. Um, but when, yeah, when we started you know, writing these these songs and I was like, okay, this is, I'm really going to, I was going through some harder things in my life. I was a bit older than when I was like a punk rock kid, just like, you know, pretending I knew about government issues and writing like stuff like that, you know, um, about democracy or, you know, hilarious stuff when you're like 16. But once I got a little older and I started writing this emotional stuff, I really just felt like I can just be honest. I can say whatever it is that I want to say because no one's going to hear this, this shit anyways. And I'm screaming half of it or I'm singing into a PA that's so quiet. No one actually will care or read my words. And then we put out then we got signed and we put out the record. And then I was like, okay, well this stuff's like all out there and it's pretty uncensored like for, for my, my feelings and, and things that have happened to me. And then that's when, you know, the outpouring of like support and saying, I can relate to your music and I, you know, and thank you that all happened. And then that was, um, that was tough because then the next record I had to do it again on discovering the waterfront. I had to take that record and I had to, uh, figure out a way, uh, to talk about my feelings. But the problem that I felt though was personally, because I was like, I can't, I know the first record was successful I didn't think it was going to be. Those words I wrote in my bedroom, I didn't think anyone was going to hear them. Now, whatever I say, millions of people are going to hear these, these words, and I'm really pouring myself out there, and I was scared to give them that kind of emotion and give them that, that realness. And I remember writing um, the song uh, Ides of March. It's got kind of like some, some suicidal like kind of undertones, and to, to, I've never tried to commit suicide or I've never like had suicidal thoughts like seriously or anything like that I should say but there was like those kinds of wording and stuff in the in the song and I was like maybe I can't say this like, maybe I can't because I don't want to hear it yeah people are gonna hear it and maybe I don't want that and then I thought it thought about it and I was like well if I'm gonna start censoring myself like that's not right either you know so I, I made a decision right there and then that I'll never do it I'll just put myself out there and whatever. And I mean, you talk about our latest record. It's definitely like the most personal. 
Yeah. Like that song Toronto is like fucking about being in this apartment, like leaving and everything. Like it's, there's nothing more real than that song. And like, I didn't sugarcoat it. I didn't change anything. You know, I, I put the words together the way I wanted to. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of was worried about, well, worry about the consequences later if, if, you know, if I'm being too real or whatever, but you know, for the most part I'll put out, I'll write a song and I think like, Oh man, this is like so obviously about this and whatever people are going to judge me for whatever. And then no one ever does. No one ever knows. No one ever calls me out. They're like, yeah, it's probably about Jesus or something. Yeah. Do you, have, do you find, you know, sometimes you have lyrics that are more oblique than others. Do you find that you get sort of taken the wrong way? Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. That, that's the, the funniest part is how they always think, especially in our early days when we were touring with so many Christian bands, they, people assumed we were a Christian band and that the songs were like about my faith and stuff. I'm like, you know, there's no faith. Sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, but that's cool, you know, that's, and I think that's important to be able to take away, um, to take away something, you know? Yeah, to read what it, it you It doesn't know. matter, you know, that's, that's the, like, craziest thing, too, is, like, you know, I've gone through some shit in my life over the last, like, month and a half, and I'll listen to old songs that I, like, I just like, and I'll be able to relate the words to my situation now, and I never thought about that before, and that's just kind of a cool thing about music, you know? Yeah, that's, like, breakup like that's a, honestly there's not a lot of good things about breaking up but that is a silver lining is it kind of can reignite passion for old songs i remember yeah when, yeah. I, when I got last time i got broken up with which was years ago now mm-hmm. um i like i fell in love with this record i hadn't listened to in a really long time because like every line just like what record me. was it it was bonnie vare's uh for emma forever oh, yeah. ago and it's like i would almost recommend like if you're sad maybe stay away from it because it's like yeah. Unless you got like a week to just like lock yourself in your room. It's devastating. It's true though. But there's some of my favorite records. Like I'm looking at my Page of the Lion um, record cover there. Like some of like that record, um, his first record called It's Hard to Find a Friend. That record I can listen to when I'm really sad or when I'm really happy. Interesting. And I can take different things away from it, which is really kind of the ultimate thing. That's why when people ask me what my favorite record is. I sometimes say that one. <laughs> well, it changes, you know, but yeah, I sometimes sure. say that one because of that, for that reason, that when you have a record, you can listen to wherever you're at in your life. I even listen to it when I'm just kind of excited. It's, you know, it's weird, but it's, uh, all right. So after the Raptors win thing. today, we're going to toss that on. Yeah, toss and be, Pedro, we're yeah. going to be confused about how to feel. <laughs> exactly. So do you think then like is authorial intent, important to you then like do you I'm sorry what is this word authorial intent you're the author of the thing what oh, okay. you intended to do is that like where does that how do you rank that in terms of importance because like we're talking about how fans can kind of like listen to and interpret a record however they want but of course when you're writing these words down they mm-hmm. obviously mean something specific to you you have something you're trying to get across so like i think what wins out I, in that i think like i think it depends on the song it depends on the way you're feeling there's times when i'll write a song and i won't really care about what the person listening to is going to think because it's for me. And then there's other songs where I'm almost trying to express a message or express a message of hope for people or whatever. And I think if you take a record, like a silver screen record, I'd say it's like probably somewhere like probably 50, 50 between those two types of, of songs. But I, I would say within any given song, I don't think that it's 50, 50, you know, there's songs right. like something like Toronto is very personal. Um, and then there's other songs like, like a song like Massachusetts, I was which is thinking that, yeah. yeah, yeah, a song like Massachusetts, which is definitely a story that a made up story, but it's definitely something that people can relate to. And people tell me all the time how important that song is for 
somebody was in a you know abusive relationship or whatever. So I think both sides of that are important, and I think there's a you know there's a level of expression between uh, uh, you know artistic expression between writing something that's for you and about you, and also just writing a story. You know, there's nothing wrong with writing a fictional story. People, you know, that's that's still art. No, yeah, it's still something you can get. You know. I think, out, out. Yeah, the expectation that uh, every lyric needs to be something that actually happened to you, I think, is is kind of bullshit. Because it's totally like, bullshit. You, you can like express different, you know, like fears or you know, drove eight hours in a van, right? Texted on my phone, saw some cool Snapchat stories. Like, Even like that would be what songs would be about, because that's what people in our situation do like ninety percent of the time. Yeah, just kind of s- sad. But, but I mean, true. Like, yeah. That's definitely true. And I mean, like the expectation being that like you are like constantly in a in like a whirlwind of sadness is like you might be often, but at the same time, like you can like see other people's situations and want to, yeah, you want to like make a comment or you want to, you know, I mean, like you want to empathize with that. And you do, I think. I think everybody does. Right. I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of times when people come and see our band, too, and, you know, you know how, how it can be on stage. Sometimes it can be fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But I have my moments where I'm just like, I don't take anything seriously. And I think sometimes people are kind of thrown off or taken aback by that because they hear our music and it's very serious. And sometimes it's kind of downtrodden and they want me to get up there maybe and be that guy. And then when I'm like either not serious or funny or like riding an maybe, inflatable turkey, riding an inflatable turkey, yes, yeah. which happened, uh, or a whale of sorts. Uh, sorry about your whale, dude. And, uh, and when that happens, like, I think some, some, some people don't, I don't know. I don't know how they, because those songs meant something specific to them. Yeah. If it makes them feel like my music is, my songs are contrived and it's not real because I'm actually a pretty generally pretty happy, positive person, or I don't know. I don't know what people want from me, but it's, at the same time, it's, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, it's going to change like, you know what I, how I feel on a given day and to try to give some, you know, there's a certain realness about it. When I know some bands, they are, they do go up there and they have a show to put on and they have a personality and a, my personality is the way I feel that day. Which in some ways is more contrived than just. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it might not read as, you know, being contrived. It's a sad song and the singer's acting sad. Yeah. That seems to an audience member more legitimate when in fact it is more contrived. It's an interesting paradox. Very, very true. That's right. I've never thought of that before until this moment. This is why we do this, folks. That's it right there. That's it. We just reached a breakthrough. Yeah, it's it's true, though. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, a specific example of a guy, you know, up there. But, like, I mean, Pedro the Lion, to bring him up again, because I see his stupid face on my record uh, player. But It's not a stupid face. He, uh, he's getting hit with an axe, apparently. I don't know. It's, see, like, he obviously is not taking himself too seriously with that picture. We'll put that on the Instagram too. But uh, he's a guy that's, he's hilarious in between songs. Yeah. You know, and, and he asks, takes questions between songs and it's like, it's very entertaining. And I, I would love to have him on the uh, podcast actually. But, um, but then his songs are like really, really devastating. Like, I think you referred to them as bummer tunes, which <laughs> yeah. is hilarious thing to talk, to tell, talk about your own music. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you know, you know, David Bazan, Page of the Lion. Eh, bummer tunes. That's what he said, and everyone's laughing hysterically. Yeah, and then he goes into and like, then he the goes into the most ever heard. yeah, like yeah, you know, I could never divorce you, like this heavy shit, you know. Yeah. So it is an interesting point for sure. Like, do you find like as a sort of like 
you've been thrust into this role as like kind of like a de facto role model, like people, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And like, you didn't, to be fair, like you didn't ask for that. You just wanted to write some songs and now you're here and you do kind of have this responsibility to be, you know what I mean? To be some, in some way the people, the person people think you are, do you know what I mean? And like, is that a difficult thing to reconcile with? Cause like, as you're just saying, like it's tough sometimes when you're just being yourself, people think it's, you know, dishonest or doesn't live up to their expectation. And it's like, how much does that weigh on you? I would imagine that's difficult. I don't know if it's difficult really. I mean, maybe it's just because I've been doing it for so long and it's, and growing up, like I never felt like a rock star or like anything, you know, like we would play shows and you know, the bands would be there like moshing for the other bands. And then they'd go on stage and they'd be wearing the clothes that they were wearing. There was no, like, it wasn't like anyone was trying to be like guns and roses or Motley Crue or have this like rock star persona. We were all just like people playing shows. So when we started going on tour, it was the same thing. And I just like talked to people like I would talk to anybody, you know, and fans or, or friends that we met or I taught, I treated everybody the same. And I think that I still do that. I don't think I really, you know, treat anybody different like i'm not i'm definitely not a dick to to fans at ever um and that's not because i feel like i have to be nice or someone's gonna say something about me being a dick or whatever i just i think i'm just nice to people because i legitimately want to and want to talk to them and it's amazing occasionally i don't know if this happened to you before i'll be out at like the merch after the show i always go out to the merch like 99 percent of the time and um sometimes I'll like take a picture. I'll be smiling at the camera and some girl will be like, yeah, look at that fake smile. I'm like, what do you mean fake smile? Like I'm smiling. I'm yeah. Just the, like the contrived smile, like the same smile you put on for like the other 50 photos. It's like, well, that's my, that's just the way I smile. (laughs) First of all, second of all, I don't have to be here. Yeah. I'm here because I want to be here and I want to meet you. So don't like be a dick to me. Like, Sorry, I'm like nice. This is so people think I'm putting on some kind of act. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when it's like smart no, they saw I'm, it. I'm literally, literally, I just like doing what I do. I like, I like the playing of the show part, the writing part, uh, the traveling part, and I actually like meeting people that enjoy my music. So I don't know. I, I in terms of being a role model, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I definitely think that there's a certain place for it. Like if I hear. Of, like if I'm in the crowd talking to kids and, and some um, uh, friend calls another friend like a, the F word, the new bad F word that I think people shouldn't say, definitely shouldn't throw around in public, I'll say something to them. You know, like, I mean, I don't know if that's being a role model, but I feel like like that shouldn't be a word people are throwing around. If I say something to them, maybe they'll think about it. I actually had that exact you know? experience uh, with a couple of fans talking to each other and one of them yeah said that yeah and i was like look man like i know it's like not, not why you're talking to me but i just feel like i i need to tell you that you can't be talking like that like yeah i don't know i mean that's that's a like i don't know if that's an inconsequential thing or i mean maybe some people listening to this are gonna say you know you know i shouldn't say anything or it's not my place to say anything people can talk how they want well i don't agree so yeah you know there's no place for for homophobia or racism or sexism or anything like that at our show it's our show yeah that's the way we i make feel the rules. so yeah i guess so so i mean if that's being a role model then i guess i'll take it but you know i don't know i just i try to do the right thing and and say the right thing and lead by some kind of an example 
but at the same time, sometimes I've had like eight drinks too <laughs> yeah. and I'm out there. So, I mean, maybe don't, you know, follow what I say and not what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Read the edited <laughs> statements. Don't, don't take it from the horse's mouth in this case. Yeah. So, Hey, what do you want from me? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Touring is an interesting thing because like often you do have eight drinks and you're, you yeah. know, and you kind of live in this weird world where that's okay. And it then, is you, okay. then you do your, you know, your job, which is like super fun and it's all just this weird time. Yeah. Not, not to make it seem like it is all just one big party, but eventually the tour ends and then you come home and then what happens? Like, yeah, there's that weird buffer zone. It's true, man. The difference between being on tour and being home, uh, for some people is very drastic, you know, um, partying every day and they go home and they just, they don't even drink or anything or they have, you know, some people, I mean, some people have jobs too. I don't have a job, but, um, some people do that and other people have a relationship where they're, you know, living with a girlfriend and they're kind of just, you know, and it's very, very, very different. And I mean, for me these days, it's pretty much the same (laughs) fucking thing. I just don't have to sing. So, uh, which whatever, it's cool. I'm, uh, you know, Hey, it's like not even just the partying. Sometimes I find I find myself, uh, kind of dealing with a whole host of different things. Like the way I dress, I mean, I came off warp tour and on warp tour, you dress like an absolute asshole every day just because it's hot and you've got no other choice. True. And then even on a day off on warp tour, say you like walk into a coffee shop, like looking like you just came from the park and it's just like, what? why do I look like, and everyone's looking at you and you're just like, sure. I don't know, this feels weird. Why am I doing this? Yeah. I mean, that's, def- that's definitely a thing. Like it's weird for, for example, like showering when I'm on tour, it's very, you know, me, I Twice probably, a tour tops. I shower the least in the band. Definitely. I do. There's, there's no question. And I'll shower like, and people are going to throw up in their mouth a little bit when I say this, like <laughs> I might shower twice a week on tour at the most twice. I a week. think less, maybe less. No, also, I don't shower very much. When I'm he home, keeps looking at his shower, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why. He keeps looking at like, it. <laughs> well, there's a couple loofahs. My friend's staying with me. And there's like a couple of those. They're called loofahs, right? Those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't use those things, but there's two in my shower. So, hey, make yourself at home, guys. <laughs> I mean, Who travels with a loofah? I don't know. They brought all their pillows, too. It's That's like, so I have precious. pillows. But, um, yeah, See, no, someone on tour is never doing that. You know, just like, Oh no, that's not happening. It's like find a bar of soap in the bottom of a bag somewhere. And like, that's yeah, going to, or just it. hopefully someone, another band dude left like a body wash <laughs> yeah. container in there. And it's not like put a little water in there to get the rest of the soap out. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, these are real, these are real things that happen. But, but the thing, but what I'm saying is like, I'm at home. I shower like pretty much every day, you know? Like I live like a normal person, and then when I'm on tour, I just I just don't. <laughs> yeah, there, you know? there's like a, a switch that gets flipped. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's just different. A, it's just a totally different thing for some reason. Um, you're a really late sleeper on tour. Yeah, not at home. No, no, you're up early here. I'm up early at home, but on on tour, I don't know what it is. I just I, maybe because I'm maybe it's partly to do. I was thinking about it. Like maybe I get revved up from the show. Like you know, we you know we typically get off stage at like eleven. So maybe I'm still just kind of wound up from the show and that's why I don't go to bed till on tour, like till sometimes till like four o'clock and then I get up, you know, I end up, I have to get my eight hours of sleep for my voice too. Yeah. And so if I, you know, I'm up at like noon pretty much or sometimes even later. Yeah. In Europe is real bad. In Europe, I don't even, I have no idea what schedule you're on in Europe. Like I don't, I think you're on like on Shane standard time. Well, I can't, I can't adjust to the jet lag, like the, the, you know, the six hour difference to mainland Europe destroys me so you know you, you figure if you generally get up at 
like if I'm at, even if I'm home, I get up at you know nine thirty, ten o'clock. You know, add six hours to that. Yeah, and it's like three thirty four, and that's there's days I get up at three thirty or four o'clock. Oh, for sure. And sometimes it's still dark, <laughs> you know, or yeah, you know, or getting dark. I should say, like yeah. in Sweden and stuff in the middle of the winter. There's definitely days where you I don't see the sun. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, it's so depressing. Do you find though, like, uh, so when you take a long flight that way, you go into Europe, it's like what a seven, eight hour flight, depending on where you're going. But yeah. You get that six hours, so it ends up being like a twelve or fourteen hour thing, all done. You know what I mean? Like you land, and it's fourteen hours later than it was when you left. Time factoring in the time zone. Right, yeah. Do you find it's more difficult to go like straight south, say? Like, you go down to South America, it's a very long flight. No, I don't think it's, I think it's easier. See, I think it's harder. Because the flight, you're like still living, you know? Yeah. On that, that time. Well, so barely. And I'm able to sleep on planes pretty well. Yeah. So for me, like, if, if we do like the red eye, like the 10 hour flight down to South America or whatever it is, probably longer maybe, but. And we and we do it over overnight. I'll just sleep like this seven hours, and we'll be in the same time zone pretty much. It'll be fine, no problem. I don't know. I don't like it. I like the time shift. It makes oh. me feel like Ugh. the flight is shorter somehow. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I was only on here for eight hours, but it's like tomorrow already. This is great. It's true. I love it. And then and then you've got an excuse to have a beer the second you land. Ah, uh, I see what it is. Yeah. 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 Always always back to drinking, which is fine. I think. I don't, I don't want to make a statement one way or the other on that. I mean, like, as a guy that's toured so extensively for such a long time, seen, what is it, 40 countries or something like that? Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy amount of countries. What, like, have you ever encountered anything just, like, absolutely next-level crazy that, that even I don't know about? The, the first thing that comes to mind is something that you do know about, and that's when we were in when we made the stupid decision to drive in <laughs> yeah. Russia, yeah. Uh, well, Belarus, well, from the, where do we go from the Ukraine to that, Belarus to Russia? Yeah. And we drove in a van, sketchy ass van, no seatbelts. Um, and like, you have to understand, I guess most people listening to this probably haven't been to Belarus. One of the, uh, what is it? It's, um, is it in the, no, what do they call it? About the um, uh, it's a uh, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. George Bush called yes, it yes. The, the um, an outpost of tyranny. That's right. Yes, Belarus apparently is one of the outposts of tyranny in the world. Uh, which I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But, anyways, if you've ever driven in Belarus, which you haven't, so <laughs> I don't even know why I'm saying this. The trees are literally right beside the road. It's fucking scary. It's winter time. They don't have like de-icing here on the roads. And our driver, the roads are so bad and are so full of potholes that our driver is basically swerving around potholes because if you were to hit the size, these potholes, the size they are, it would disable the van. Yeah. And to be fair, our van was pretty easily disabled. Yes. Yes. And I thought we were going to die for sure. Like I thought Same. that was like, there was no way we were going to make it through, especially when, <laughs> well, it's also the middle of the night and it's also like seven hours or something. And uh, all I can remember is, the driver randomly stopping on the side of the road. Maybe you'll tell the story better than me. And then him getting out. And I was like, okay, I guess he's smoking. So you got out to smoke. Yeah, I got him. out to smoke. And he, he was And then pouring. what did he ask you to do? Well, he was, first of all, like he was pouring. He had like one of those like big three liter like, ga- uh, like bottles of water. And he was pouring them on the headlights trying to defrost them, which of course is just going to make them frost up even yes. faster. Yes. Um, but yeah, then he like held his hands out in front of him, like he motion and handed me the water bottle and like motioned for me to pour water. Speaks no English, by the way. None. Yeah, not a thing. So he's, this was all done by like you know 
really primitive gestures. Yes. So he's like motioning for me to pour this water into his hand. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, but okay. So I do it. And he's like splashing it on his face. Again, again, we got to do it again. To stay awake. To stay awake. And I was like, holy shit, it's over. This is it. This is it. Like, this is how we're all going to die. And then I thought, that's not a bad way to die. I don't know if you felt the same way. But it was like, I don't know. There's like less cool ways to do it. Like car accident and rule be- Belarus. Jesus Christ, dude. That's dark. Nah, I mean, you got to like, I don't know. You never think about that stuff when like things get dicey. You don't go like, there'd be dumber ways to die. This isn't that bad. I don't know. I guess, I guess there's been times like, and I'm not scared of flying at all anymore, but there's one flight I took that was like really crazy. And I was like, maybe this is it. And I was like, yeah, if I die in a plane crash, whatever. Right. Like, you know, statistically... Like- just Whatever. something that's a better story than like was crossing the street and got hit by a car like that. that I hope there's no one more famous than me on this fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> is that from something? What is that? I just made it up. But, it's uh, good. But I always thought of uh, I wanted to, to write a song one time. And I never did about, you know, Farrah Fawcett died. I think the same day as Michael Jackson. Oh, and she's like pretty famous. Yeah. But no one ever talked like she goes talk about getting like had no idea she was shadows, dead. you know, Um I think there's another like old punk rock guy. I can't remember from what band. I think he died the same day as John Lennon too, and, or like, killed himself the same day as John Lennon. And, and no one talks about him because of that, you know? Yeah. It's kind of funny, but like selfishly, you kind of want to leave some kind of legacy. Like you want your name yeah, in right. the newspaper, but no, but I definitely at that moment, I wasn't like, eh, I can accept this. No, I was like, I don't want to die in the middle of Belarus and have to have our bodies shipped over uh, oh, from they the outpost be. of tyranny. No. They'd stay. They'd just stay in the snow. Yeah. yeah. Like something out of Game of Thrones. Kind of yeah. looks like kind of looks like it. <laughs> this got really grim, but tr- like honestly, it was scary at the time. I'm not scared anymore. We but, made it through. But another story too. Um, this is before you were in the band. We were down just before you were in the band. We were down in South America, and again, to any bands that might be listening to this, don't drive. Uh, vans in sketchy places fly because driving is way somehow way scarier because uh, you don't know where you're going to end up. And we were driving in Brazil, and we agreed to drive from uh, Sao Paulo to Rio de Janeiro, and we were in this giant blue van. Uh, yeah, big, almost a, not quite a bus, but like one of those kind of like airport shuttle, so kind of a bus, but kind of a van, big vehicle. So we're driving in it. Everything's fine, beautiful, until our driver tries to take a shortcut through the favelas, which... Oh, God. Yeah. The favelas are, I'm sure people know, uh, but they're, they're basically just like where the slums where, you know, they have, I don't know, these people just basically live on top of each other and the drug, like basically they're all controlled by like the drug dealers. So we're driving through these favelas and it's fucking sketchy. And I can tell like, the driver and the um, the promoter promoter speaks pretty good English, but they're arguing in Spanish about, uh, or I guess it was Portuguese, Portuguese actually because they were from Brazil. Uh, they're arguing in Portuguese about um, uh, something, you know, and we're, and it looked pretty like bad. So like, ah, are we supposed to be here? And Paul's like freaking out. Drummer Paul's freaking out. And uh, anyways, to make a long story short, uh, why why make our, it short? Okay, I'll keep going. Well, it it got real scary, and he kept turning around, and we went through, and then finally, we get stopped, and this dude comes on and is like screaming at us in Portuguese. Comes like into the into the into the vehicle, so he makes a stop. It's like a roadblock. Comes in and he starts like pointing guns at us, 
and, Fuck. and we're like whole and we have so much equipment it's like we're so much money and we're just like and i we can't speak to him so we don't know what to do so we're just like freezing with like our hands up while there's and there's another guy outside like looking around and there was the scariest moment i never had a fucking gun pointed at me before and um yeah so we 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 went through that and they let us i guess they let us go after it was a while like we were sitting there for probably like it's probably a good five minutes, which in when you have like that situation, five minutes feels like five hours, you know? Yeah. And uh, we, yeah, we, they let us go and we were just like, dude, like to the promoter, we're like, dude, that is not, that was not cool. Like what the fuck? To man? say the least, that is not, that cool. is not cool. Um, and then we were supposed to do another drive and the promoter, we kind of forced the promoter to fly us. And, uh, that and at that moment we were like, hey, uh, we're not going to tell our wives and girlfriends about this. Like they worry about us enough in these places, so we had like a pact that we wouldn't tell uh, tell our families or, or anything about that, and we would just kind of forget it. And I don't even know if they all know. I was going to say, now, like, are you breaking? I've never that? talked about that. No, but uh, yeah. So that but that was that was really scary. And and the funny part now, looking back, and we didn't know is I guess uh, I, I mentioned it was like a big blue van. Apparently, it was the exact same. As the police, oh uh, no, the same model and the same color and everything. What an oversight! So they thought, yeah. So they thought we were like police coming in, which guys, it's like the police can't come in the and favelas. And that says enough about the attitude of the favelas that the cops come in and they're going to point guns at them. Yeah, like that's how exactly. That's work. And I think they were worried that we were police or something, or you know, or some something involved with the police, and they didn't know. So if you were cops, there was a pretty high chance that they just would have shot you. I don't. I maybe. I don't know. I I don't know the dynamic down there with with that stuff but but yeah man so yeah we we we've been through some stuff i mean that's just two i remember i'm sure there's been like some other ones too um you does know, that like deter your you know like do you still get excited about going to places like i know we went back to russia since that yeah. original thing and we yeah. drove again in a slightly better van yeah but we did make we another did do drive it again. we did do it. yeah we're so stupid <laughs> Yeah, but we, like, they talk us into it, though. I, I don't know how they do it, but... It's because I guess we still want to go, right? Like, despite these experiences, yeah. like, I, like, do you have interest in going back to well, Brazil? I, I'll, yeah, fuck yeah, I do. Like, I, I really want to go back to Brazil, especially because we were so... It's the only time we ever went to Rio, and we were so, pardon the pun, gun-shy, uh, <laughs> that we didn't do anything. Like, I didn't even see anything in Rio de Janeiro, which is, like, you know, a, a, probably a beautiful city. So I would definitely want to go back and... and uh, uh, I'm sure lots of people, everyone's always like, come to Brazil. Yeah. That's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yeah, come to Brazil. Brazil. What's up with that? Yeah, we're going to come. We're coming. Like, okay. Like, Be cool. Don't, don't waste your data plans. We got this. <laughs> but no, man, I'll tell you, like when we first started doing the band, you know, and we didn't think, we didn't think we were ever going to actually tour, let alone leave Canada, let alone leave North America. So I remember the first uh, time, like when we got offered to play at Australia, the first time they offered us and we were like, wait a second, we get to go and we don't have to pay anything. Like you're just going to yeah. fly us there. And they're like, yep. Like we're okay. There was no like, Oh, well how much money are we going to make? And it was like, we didn't care. It was just like, and I still have that feeling. There's still like so many countries that I want to go to that. I don't care if we get paid or not. I just want to like, I want to see Greece for crying out loud. Like yeah. I want to go to Greece, you know, and I want to go to Africa, you know, like South yeah. Africa, I, l- I really want to go. And it's just, it's hard, I guess, to work out, work it out sometimes with the promoters and stuff. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, traveling has been, become something that a big part of what I love about being in a band, seeing, you know, seeing things and, and meeting people and, and, uh, 
you know, experiencing those other, other cultures. Yeah, it's got to be one of the best parts. Yeah, it, uh, totally and is. I say that like I'm not also doing it. Uh, yeah, it, it is, is one of the best parts. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it it actually. Uh, I don't know if you find this, it's like kind of a weird thing to say maybe, but I'm really bad at traveling outside of being in a band now. Like I don't know what to do with my time when I get places and I don't have to play a show. I don't get to play a show. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I just was traveling like for the last week, you know, yeah. but I mean, I, it was a little different because I went to Las Vegas to see my family that lives there. So that was, you know, easy family time. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then I did go to Dallas and hung out with some friends and yeah, it is, it is a little different when you don't have to be, worry about like a sound check. Yeah. Yeah, or anything. It's like, huh? What am I gonna do? And then, yeah, the you days know? feel so much longer. Like they you absolutely just do. do. You, it's they, crazy. They do, but but it is nice to have be able to have time to just go see things and, and not feel limited. Like you know how it is. Like how many times we've been to certain cities and we've really not. Like I mean, we, you've you've been to Paris before, right? Yeah. Have you actually been up the Eiffel Tower? No. See, like no. what the hell? That's should I do that? Yeah, this is a, you gotta do it once. I mean, I guess you're right. I see. I was more interested because like Paris is a city that like its national reputation or it's like you know international reputation is that it's like you smoke cigarettes, you drink coffee, you sit on a patio, eat some bread, drink some wine, eat some cheese. Like that's the whole thing. Yep. that's all the stuff I love. So I right. want that was the sort of version of Paris that I in like I made sure that I experienced. So like Eiffel Tower, we'll cross it off the li- list eventually. But my first thing was like find a patio, do all that stuff, a terrace. Is what I want. A terrace. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah, interesting. That's, like, no, that's, yeah, go ahead. I was sorry. I was thinking on my way here, like, you know, some of these places, like, for example, like, we're like Munich, Germany. Like, how many times have you been to Munich? Many, many times. Probably and, at least 10 times. And so, like, yeah, this kind of thing, like, you don't want to call it routine because it's definitely not routine. But I noticed the first time we took, say, Bobby, like, our, our tech to Europe, it made that so much more exciting because yeah. you had never seen any of it before. Right. It's and you true. get to like relive the first time. It's true. Yeah. No, that, that is interesting. But no, I always like when we ha- have like some, you know, young, young, fresh meat, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, young guys like coming out on tour with us, working for us or whatever, when they're excited about like places. I mean, Danny, our tour manager is like yeah. the king of that. Tall buildings. <laughs> he loves America for its tall buildings. Yes. Or like we're in like Philadelphia one time and he's like, Oh, I want to see the Liberty Bell. So we, I'm like, all right, I'm sure, let's go. So it, it just, you know, seeing him excited about that, and then we saw like the Rocky statue, and he takes the Love Park and stuff. Like, it's just, you know, I've done how many times I've been to Philadelphia, like fifty, yeah. you know, and why not? Like, it, we made it made it fun again. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he's been to the Bean in Chicago. I actually think like seven or eight times. I've never been to the Bean in Chicago. It's it's fine, isn't it? Just a it's a big chrome bean. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's like okay. good. It's they actually. I don't know if they built it like uh, how recent it is, but it's great for selfies. I feel like it's the best sort of like tourist attraction because you're like just gonna take a picture in it. That's like what you do. Sure, makes sense. So I think the tourist attractions of the future are going to be things that you interact with on that level, like because mm. it promotes itself if you take a picture of and in it. Think Could about be. that. Could be. Just saying. Yeah, sure. I better go to the bean. I mean, check it out. Yeah, it's a good walk. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. 
Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, I wanted to go back to to songwriting and to lyrics and to singing and I, uh, kind of the relationship between all those things. We were talking earlier about how, um, you know, you have these raw emotions and you need to kind of like fit them into a song and so you kind yeah. of filter them or edit them, say. Um, but then it, that kind of, you, it might make it seem sort of like less genuine, but then you've got this whole other side of it, which is that music is melody and music is, you know, tone of voice. And you've, you've like sang- the math, the math part. Not quite the math part. I almost mean more in conveying the emotions. So if you had to okay. like pare down a line, like make a line simpler, say, to fit it in a song, but you can sing it in this tone of voice, scream it even, that makes it more powerful or like recharges it of that emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, how, do you ever consider things like that when you're when you're recording a song? Say, like, you know, is that the right take that feels the emotion that I want to convey here? Like, listening to that scream, does that? make me feel as a listener the way you want me to feel like do you do that on purpose yeah that's a good point yeah for sure i mean i think i think that the math thing i brought up is is kind of the opposite of what you're talking about yeah exactly that, like i can sing the words and i can sing them in perfect pitch let's and, they, and it cannot be yeah let's not go that far but uh and it could be you know technically it could be a perfect take but is it a right take is it yeah. the right take because sometimes the right take might have a note that kind of drops a little bit or might have a little bit of a crack in it uh, or some, there'll be something about it that kind of has that like that magic. And, you know, th- the thing that, that I've talked about a little bit on this podcast, but I like to bring it up because it's a real thing and I don't know what it is, is like when you're hearing a song and you like get the shivers or you get the chills, Yeah, like a certain line will happen. You know, in a song, and there's certain songs I listen to every single time one part of the song does it to me, and I don't. And there's there's no way to quantify that. You know, say I don't think there is. Like it's got to be a combination of the music, uh, the words, the melody, the tone of voice, everything, right? And and I don't know what that is, but when you are recording or something, and you're able to sing that line and then if the producer's like we're keeping it it's like what do you mean like that was a little no he's like no that was the one because i felt that thing yeah you know i felt that shivery feeling which i guess that's what you're just trying to do and the whole time conveying that emotion you know which i'm sure not everybody that ever hears it will feel that way but certain people will feel you know that that feeling which which is just i don't even know what that is have you thought about that yeah, there. Like that thing. I, I know exactly what you mean. There are certain songs where, it, yeah, that just happens, and there's almost no way to even put it into words. It's just like that part felt the best. That was, yeah. Um, they, I think I remember reading something about this where, like, it's, it is actually something kind of science ruins everything. It is like kind of a mathematical thing where it's like the right sort of mix of melody and like uh, I don't know registering the words releases like dopamine or something in your. Brain. Oh yeah. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but. Um, oh, you're not. <laughs> I know this lab coat is like kind of like, tricking <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah, and I have the badge that says uh, scientist on scientist it. Scientist on it. I know. Science man. I didn't know if you'd know. Yeah, I don't know. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's a really. I I think I agree. Like when you record, that's got to be paramount. Like you got to be thinking yeah. about that. Like not what the the best take or like what the right take is is in terms of like notes sung and like clean you know vocals. Right. It's just like what's going to be the best. I remember. This is kind of an anecdote, but years ago, uh, like maybe 2008, my okay. old band, I'm Committing a Sin, made our first EP, and it was coming out on your record label. That's right. And uh, I remember we, we were on your bus, 
and we played you like the first song from it or something. And you like, I mean, I think you thought it was fine, at least good enough to to put out. But um, you like said something about how like the takes like we did it all kind of in one take. We liked it really raw. And you, you kind of said like, you know, that's cool. Like, I get what you're doing, but you got to get the right messy take like. Uh huh. Yeah. And I yeah. remember the example you used was. um my Chemical Romance, uh, what's that oh, record? Three Cheers? Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you were like, that record sounds like messy and the vocals are like all over the place, but like they're exactly the right takes the whole time. Right. And I like... The vocals on that record, like it's funny. Yeah. I think that record, the vocals are perfect. Same. But, and they're not perfect. But they're like a total mess, right? But they're perfect for yeah. the emotional, you know, what he's trying to do. And there's also like like a, the Tig Mac Sunday second record's like that too. There's some like there's some takes that are like, I can't believe they kept that, but it gives it like a, it gives it life. It for gives sure. it life. Yeah. It gives it life. Yeah. And, and it's certain bands just, just sounds so, you know, sterile. Like when it's, it doesn't know. sound like a person anymore. It just sounds, yeah. Yeah. I know. What you exactly. Mean. Yeah. That's right though. That's funny. I remember that. Yeah, I'll never forget that, that, that's the just right like one of those things. The right yeah. messy take, yeah. And I yeah. mean, like, I don't work too much in that arena anymore, but like, it definitely sticks with me for kind of everything. It's like that guitar part, like, you know, that's a weird guitar take, but it's got life and it's cool. And it's like, I think yep. the right way to mess that up. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Very. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, doing 200, you know, 150 to 250 shows a year, which is like not uncommon. Maybe yeah. 250s on the high end, but like, yeah, back in like 0405, we definitely did like 250, which is an a crazy amount of days to do crazy. anything, especially something as demanding as, you know, singing for half an hour to an hour and a half a night, screaming this much, like yeah. you're not sleeping that well. It's this whole thing like wh- what kind of toll does this take? Like are you okay? I mean, Shane told? Oh, are toll. You, yeah. Toll. What kind no. of toll? Does it? Uh, what kind of toll does it take? It takes a Shane toll. That's what kind, yeah. It does. It No, I mean, when we started this stuff you know uh there weren't there wasn't really anyone doing it quite like me like doing the singing and the screaming like typically bands back then the lead singer would be like the screamer and then the guitar player would sing the clean or whatever um and a lot of people were really like shocked when they went to the show and was like oh my god he's doing both and then they that was the question people were always like how do you do it how do you do it man like isn't it you know hurt your voice or and the answer is yeah, it does. It's not easy. It does hurt. There are days when I'm like, I'm the fucking front man. And I sound like that, and uh, it's you know. But over time, I've actually gotten better. My voice has gotten stronger. I can think. I can sing better than I used to be able to sing. I sing higher than I used to. So I don't really know. But but I absolutely think like when we first started doing it, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to like, do this forever. Definitely didn't think 15 years later. You'd I'd be, be fine. I, yeah, I, th- I definitely thought it would be like, because, you know, bands like that, like hardcore bands and, and stuff, there weren't really any any that had like long, long, long careers of that style of singing, like re- the real guttural like and singing. So, no, I, I didn't know. But but for the most part, like it holds up okay. I drink a lot of water. Um, I don't do much stuff. Like so many people on here, they're talking about like melting gummy bears in tea. and What? Yeah, the gummy bear thing. Everyone's talking about the gummy bear thing. And um, melting gummy bears in tea and and whiskey in there, which I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I don't know, like just all these weird, weird things that they do. Uh, and I just drink water, a lot of it. You know, I drink a lot of water. Yeah, you do. Water's good. Yeah. It's definitely good. I, I feel like... The- I don't even warm up that much. Like you warm up way more than me. Yeah, I do. But I think, first of all, like 
I smoke cigarettes. You don't do that. That's, yeah. But I don't know. I've heard conflicting things on whether or not that matters. Like a lot of singers smoke and I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know, man. That's it's like the thing is is some some guys just have it too, you know? Like there's there's like for example like Johnny Craig, the guy just can fucking sing. Yeah. It's I don't true. think he knows what he's doing. He's just good. He just you know, it's like a god-given talent that he has and I'm not that guy, you know? I'm yeah. I like guess I could always kind of carry a tune, but I've gotten better yeah. over time from practicing and trial and error and stuff and you know, and that's you know, that's fine, but yeah, I don't. I think warming up is like is important for sure. I don't want to say it's not, but like I think the extent to which a lot of people do it is maybe excessive. And yeah, I feel like if if I warm, I don't want to warm up too much because I don't want to start like getting tired before I even play. Right. You know, uh, and I think a lot of it too with warming up for me, it's more like I've already been up all day. I've been talking. I've been moving around. Like I think I'm warm. It's just for me more like getting in the right mindset. Yeah, see, I was going to say, I yeah. do it like, I mean, you, I sing like the same four songs and anyone who follows us on Snapchat will have probably heard me sing some of these because <laughs> I, I snap it sometimes. But for me, it's not about like really warming my voice up. It's about like convincing my brain that everything's going to be okay out there. Right. That's true. Yeah. It's like for me, it's a little bit of a test. Like, yeah, you've what's my note? high note? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is it? A D? It's like a, if I can get up to uh, to like an A sharp, I know I'm going to have an oh, okay night. If, if the A sharp's getting a little raspy. Roll rough around the edges. I'm like, oh yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, sorry, you, Houston. You hey, guys gonna are scream uh, those lines. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, so uh, I don't know why I said Houston, but it kind of worked. Um, was, it, was there a time specifically in Houston where this happened? No, my worst shows. I had a really, really fucking rough one in Calgary once. We were opening for Rise Against. Oh, like oh seven. That was bad. Um, I had a really, oh, my worst one ever was somewhere in Netherlands. We had, this is way back in the day. It's like 05 or something. Couldn't sing. Couldn't sing like higher than like a G. And pretty much the high note on every song is like a, you got a G? Yeah, yeah play, play a G for the people so people can, can go. This like, is a high, like a high G. How high? Like a third fret on the E string. That high? Yeah. That's as high as I could sing. I could go, I could go, yeah. But if I went, yeah, yeah. I couldn't go. I, ah, I couldn't get there. So no, I couldn't. I couldn't get up to uh, like a G sharp, which was a problem, and that was the worst. We played six songs. Nice headlining. Oh boy, six songs. I was like, oh, sorry, yep. we're Silverstein. Oh, good night, and we left, and people were pissed. Yeah, some angry Netherlanders coming yeah. to get their euros back. They were they were pissed. But uh, what can I, what can I do? You know, that's the thing. What can you do? I mean, I could, you know, there was nothing I could do. It's not like breaking a guitar string. You can't just like take yeah. It. You can't just replace the guitar string. No, you can't. It's it's uh, yeah. So and I had man. I'm trying to think of some other rough ones. There's there's been a few though, but but less. Luckily, less rough shows than 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 good ones or great ones. So I think you know. What do you think your best vocal performance on a stage ever is? Do you think you can answer that? A show where everything just felt right. You know what's funny? Also in the Netherlands, <laughs> one time in Amsterdam, got up there. Just was like it was like effortlessly like the notes just flowed out like easily like once in a while I'd say like that's like a one in a one in a hundred maybe like one in a hundred shows you'll get up there and just be like I can do like I'm invincible yeah. every note is coming out and the screams are deadly like but it's, I'd say it's like one out of a hundred when I feel like that and then I'd say one out of a hundred I I'm like terrible like that and then. The other 98 are somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And whatever, you know. When you have those really good ones, do you ever think like, what did I eat today? What did I drink today? Like, how did I live? How do I like recreate yeah, this moment? Yeah, but it's there's, there's way too many factors to, yeah. to that, you know. Uh, it's, you but know, that is some, why you don't change your underwear, Some right? days. 
Yeah, if I have a good one after a shower, maybe I'll start showering every day. <laughs> yeah. And who has time for that? <laughs> but but no, it's that's that is funny though. You think about that, but there's there's too many factors, um, and also like obviously days off have a big impact. When you have a day off, it kind of heals you, and then in a way you're better after a day off, but in a way you're worse. I think also too. Co- yeah. sometimes worse. It's strange. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But I know. actually feel like when I get off stage, I sing better than I sang the whole time on stage. Like I get off stage and I just start singing like Benny and the Jets or something. It's like, man, that's awesome. Like, why didn't I sound this good? Like five minutes ago. I know. It's but maybe weird. I do. Maybe it's like in ears trick me into thinking I'm worse than I, I am. I think so. Yeah, it's, it's tough stuff. I think so. I think actually, I want to like this. I know this is lead singer syndrome, but uh, I just want to advocate for the backup singers here. The harmony singers. Oh, yeah. Because I think we... In, backup know, my singer syndrome over here. Backup I'm ready for this. Yeah, well, this go is, ahead. Go I, ahead, backup singer like, syndrome. This is actually like almost worse than lead <laughs> singer syndrome. But it's like, I feel like our job is very difficult because like we got to be not necessarily like on pitch. We got to be like harmonizing you, the lead singer, whether or not you're on pitch. I mean, like I come in with a harmony. If you're like a little flat and I'm a little sharp or like... Even mm-hmm. if I'm dead on, it's still going to sound wrong. I got to be like, I got to match your you, pitch. Yeah, you've got to match. Yeah. And if I mess that up, we both sound like shit. Well, I mean, there's but some. It's bands, always going to be my fault. I'll it's just fucking get snowing outside, dude. Fuck off. It is May fifteenth. It is snowing in Toronto. I'm sorry. No, no, this that, is bad. It's bad too. It's like blizzardy. Why oh do we live God. here? Yeah, get us out of here. Hey, anyone listening from like Southern California, can you just adopt me and Paul Mark, please? We're coming. Just adopt us. We just need like a nice, like we'll just lay on the floor like a dog. It's fine. I want a bed. Okay, bed. Okay, me too. Bed. <laughs> but, 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 but back to backup singers. Like, Sorry, yeah. There are though sometimes bands where you'll see them and you'll be like, I think the backup singer is better than the lead singer. Like the, the classic one for me, uh, no offense, Dan, was Story of the Year. Like the guy, the guitar player that sings the backups. Yeah, he's is awesome. Fucked. Like he's a, so good. His name Ryan? No, uh, not not Ryan. Ryan's the other guitar player, Phil. Yeah, yeah, Phil yeah. Phil yeah. is like so good at singing. You we, know, and it's everyone in that band is so good at everything. They are They're so the good live band. though, too. And Dan's like, don't get me wrong, like I want to have Dan on the show and we're great friends, but but yeah, it's that's like one of the bands where you're like, Oh my god, that guy playing guitar over there, like singing like it's like almost like should he be the singer? Which is he shouldn't be. Obviously, there's a reason I think that that it it's the way it is. Maybe not, but but man, like sometimes that happens in bands where yeah, well, maybe it's just like, because the backup singer can oftentimes is singing higher. Yeah, so it sounds like more impressive, and it's like it's mixed a certain way, and like mm-hmm. yeah, know, like it's, it's lower, a little yeah. buried, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of more forgiving on mistakes. I yeah, think. that's true. And also, like I think you strive to explore this on this podcast, but there's so much more to being a lead singer. More pressures, different sort of like you know mental yeah mental gymnastics to do um then is it's not just singing you know it's more it is more. and so like i tried to be a lead singer for a little bit i didn't love it uh not for me no i like to sing and i love karaoke and i like you know i don't mind being your backup but i find it very stressful yeah it's stressful there's but no, i've never there's done no it not it. playing guitar and i think that might change my tune a bit oh yeah well i used to play guitar you know in my first band of course um, i do and playing playing guitar and singing that's all i knew it's definitely way harder there's way more to think about you know just like making sure you're on the right fret yeah and singing the note and like you know if the rhythm's messed up like you played in a skate punk band but like if you've got to play a weird rhythm over like a vocal oh it's just like i was always i'm always pretty good at that like i'm pretty good at playing and singing for some reason but but the definitely like the second that i wasn't have didn't have to play guitar anymore 
and I was like, holy shit, I can like run around. I was like, this is way. Yeah, better. I heard. I I was listening, obviously, and uh, you and Adam Lazara talked about this. Yeah, at, yeah. at length, yeah. and I like I was I felt myself getting more and more jealous. Yeah, with every sentence. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess Good Boys. Yeah, you're you're playing guitar in that band too. See, that's so. the most stressful thing, and this is kind of where I get my perspective on this backup singing being harder. Because like on the parts of those Good Boys songs where I'm singing the lead. Yep. That's like stress free. I don't even think about what the other guys are doing. But when I have to sing the harmonies, I'm like trying to hear. Right. I'm like trying to monitor the lead and and, and, and play guitar and play too. guitar yeah. and like hear what that because there's always three harmonies. Like, what's the other guy doing? Like, where do I slide into this? It's very tricky, man. And like, you know, it's easy to remember a melody and like hit that, but sometimes harmonies are very strange, especially where you guys are playing because you're not in ears either. Like, no, you don't no, have the yeah. same mix. You're playing a random venue with wedges. It's yeah, way harder. Yeah, it's a total pain. Yeah. But that's enough belly aching for me. I just wanted to like yes, just make sure the backup singers get their uh, yeah, get their due. Little jab in there. Yeah, yeah let us you know. That's right. Just like maybe a little round of applause sometimes for us. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you one more thing because okay. I mean yep. the, the we're getting on sure the yeah I mean and the Raptors are coming on quite soon here. Um, I wanted to know you know you put out a lot of records. Yep. Can you rank them? Can I rank them? Is it possible? Not including though, I want to take a few things off the table. Okay. Unless you think you need to put them in there, I think the first two EPs don't need to no, be no, there. No, 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 no. We won't. No, no seven inches. And we'll go short songs. No, I like short shorts. songs. Um, I know you like. It. I don't know if I'd rank it. Well, well, okay. I yeah, I like this. I haven't ranked any albums or albums yet, so this is a, a different thing. Um, for me, I'd say I would say our, my favorite album is "This Is How the Wind Shifts." I think, and if you'd asked me a year ago. Like when um, I Am Alive and Everything I Touch came out, I might have said I Am Alive and Everything I Touch. And now looking back a year later, they're definitely my two favorite. But I think This Is How the Wind Shifts has something about it. Kind of that like, you know, we were talking about that. that X Factor. X Factor, yeah. Whatever it is, that, that like shivery thing that you get. That has so many moments of that on that record. And it's it's really interesting that it's my favorite. And maybe this is also a reason it's my favorite because... It's not a record about me. It's not a personal record at all. It's all stories. Every song is a story, um, except the one, the one you know, the song you wrote, uh, "Arrivals." That that's all. The other ones are like pretty much fictional stories. That obviously there's a certain level of I wrote it, so there's it's based on some of my experience, but it's all stories. So you know that record. I think I think though is is. is is just a really, really solid record, and I love the the, the overall tone of it, and um, you know the fact that that we were able to put together that those two songs and make them overlap, and that actually worked out. Yeah, you guys really thought cool. you thought I was totally crazy. When I, I didn't think you were totally crazy. I want to say that I put together a demo of it that was shockingly similar to the album version. And I will send it to you again if you don't remember it. Well, because my demo was insane. Yeah, like my like. I don't even know what I was doing. It sounded on my like first, Boys Night Out. My first demo was crazy. I know, but it was the idea. I just, no, the idea know, was there. And, and um, so, it's but your that, idea. But that I'm record, it's your idea. But that record is is I think is my is totally my favorite. And then I'm Alive and Everything I Touch is number two. And then my third favorite would be A Shipwreck in the Sand. I think that record was such a important time for us to solidify ourselves as like a real band. We'd made like three. That was our fourth record. Or our first three records we made the same way. Go in the studio, whatever, write songs, figure out the order later. Shipwreck and Sam was like actually making an album and worrying about the order and worrying about the transitions between the songs and everything. And there's never been more fights uh, and never, there's never been more um, drama. And we spent so much time recording that record that 
that one came out and that one was really special. So that'd be num- my number three. Um, for number four, I'll go with Discovering the Waterfront, which just, I mean, I think there's some great songs on it. And that was kind of our first album we'd made, you know, because the, the first album is basically just kind of a compilation of our first, uh, you know, uh, two years of, of being a band. It's not really like a real album, but Discovering the Waterfront definitely has some great songs on it. Um, when people say it's their favorite, I don't, I don't tell them they're wrong. You know, they're able, absolutely able to have that opinion. Uh, so what am I at? That's four. What do we have? Seven records. That sounds right. And um, so then there's three more. I would say Rescue would be number five. And not to say I don't think Rescue is a good record. I think it is. It has some good songs on it too. But we wrote it over like a two year period. It's very disjointed. Yeah, and I get that vibe when I listen. Yeah, to Yeah, it. it's very disjointed, and some some of like as cohe- it's not really a very cohesive album. Um, and some of the songs I thought were that I thought were really cool at the time we recorded them haven't sort of haven't stood the test of time. You know, like a song like "Forget Your Heart" I thought was like such a cool fucking song when when uh, when I wrote it, and then now like I don't know, it's kind of weird. It was never my favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still I think I still like it, but. It's definitely some good good tunes. Texas yeah. Mickey, big fan of Texas, Texas Mickey. Texas Mickey, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know why I like it so much. It's kind of a weird song, but I I really like Anthony's part in he it. He does a great job, yeah. That yeah. harmony on the like to the mess I'm in is such a cool that is, I think, yeah. the harmony. Yeah. There's a version of me singing that part too. I don't know if you've ever heard it. No, I'd like to yeah. hear it. It's it's he he definitely made it his own though. Like the way yeah, he's I got sang that it, style. Yeah, he, he yeah it was like cool. Punk rock cool. Michael Bublé. It's funny we put, you know that was the song I played on the last podcast because he was on last oh, week yeah. and I played Texas Mickey. Yeah, yeah. So that's funny, very relatable. Go back and listen to that episode, everybody. Uh, but okay, and then I got two left. Well, I think we know how this is going to shake out. Well, the next one is well maybe not really. The next one, number six out of seven, would be When Broke is Easily Fixed. Okay, so yeah. And that's our first album. And, I mean, I think it also has some very raw, like, awesome youth energy to it. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. And there's something about that, I think, that shines through. You know, that just we're just excited kids, you know, in a, in a basement playing. And I think you can hear that on the record, which, is, which makes it awesome. I really wish it was recorded better, though. I kind of like the sound of it. It's kind. It's very, very unconventional sounding. It's strange, yeah. Strange. The screaming. Yeah. What I could see, is even going on there? I could see how everyone hearing the record that couldn't see you perform that would think it's two people. Yeah. It's like I think your screaming and your singing had never been more no, opposite. Probably not. But it's just yeah. It's very yeah. It definitely was was at that point my voice was two things. Yeah. There was I'm screaming. And there was singing, and there's no like ramping between or anything. Yeah. I guess I haven't really done that until recently, to it's be a honest. Good range, but, though. Yeah, but but that, yeah. So that record, I think, uh, and then absolutely number seven, uh, our worst record and my least favorite is Rivals and Departures. <laughs> and I don't like the record. I, I think I like, like Worlds Apart's an okay song. Uh, Vanity and Greed is super weird. I kind of enjoy it. Kind of my favorite. And I guess I kind of like the last True Romance song. But what's track one? Track one is Sound of the Sun. I like that song. It's okay. It's pretty good. I guess the song, maybe the album's not as bad as the, just the, the experience of making it was the worst. Yeah. I, I hated making it. Uh, we were rushed, didn't get along with the producer and just, yeah. And I mean, it sucks because I think that that was such a pivotal point in our career. You know, it was our third record. We were coming off discovering the waterfront that if we really were able to hit it out of the park, like if we could do it. If we could put out shipwreck in the sand at that moment, 
I think it would have been really good for uh, for like our career because the bases and were loaded, so to speak. The bases were loaded, yeah, yeah and and you struck Tula out. whiskey popped it up. Fuck, yeah. oh yeah, you know it was one of yeah it was one of those definitely. Um, so yeah, I just want to point out that I had I had thought about trying to use that expression somewhere like the bases were loaded and you know you either do or don't hit the grand yeah. slam. I was thinking about this today, and I can't believe that like two hours later I was able to. That's, that's Use right. it in the most fitting possible sense. That's right. With the guy who would appreciate it the most. With the, and yeah, and I was able to to make a little Tulo reference. Although yeah. he's, he's hitting two two home runs back to back games now. Yeah, he's looking good. So he's back. Tulo's back. Tulo's back. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you for your, uh, talk coming over and interviewing me about stuff. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it would be weird is, if you were just talking to yourself. I was. Yeah, somebody. I think it was uh, Cooper from. Uh, hands like houses was like are you gonna do two voices like so shane uh, <laughs> that was me that said that no uh, you, you said it too but yeah but he had he just hit me up on twitter and said that so oh, trying, to give a sh- trying to give a shout to my man cooper yeah what a guy yeah i can't i refuse to let cooper take credit for anything that i do i love cooper they're what gonna a guy. be in toronto too when very soon trenton, soon? trenton texted me oh uh, man soon very soon are we doing a hands like houses show plug yeah for no for for, for some it's reason? gonna be after this comes out right no, it's coming out tomorrow. This is coming out tomorrow. Yeah, Mod Club Thursday. What's Thursday? The what? It doesn't. He didn't say, but I think Thursday would mean this Thursday coming up. I'm not going to be in town. You got to go on my behalf. Okay, I'll go on your behalf. Got yeah. it. Got it. All right. All right, people. Well, hey, um, since this is like basically live and uh, barely any edits, uh, and hey, why not? Our, um, we always play music, and now this time Paul Marcus to play. The song we will end this with. So, Paul Mark, what... Uh, I get to choose? You get to choose. For anything from your catalog? Anything from my personal catalog, I want to hear yes. 18 by Jerk Circus, obviously. 18 by Jerk Circus? Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it there. Thanks a lot for putting up with this week of my bullshit and hearing about my stupid life. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be back with an actual guest. Uh, no offense. I'm not the guest. You're the okay, guest. Okay, I'm the it's guest. offensive to you. Okay, then it doesn't make sense. Yes. Uh, next week, we'll be back with an actual guest, and it'll be good. So here it is. We'll leave you with... Well, you call it out. This is 18 by Jerk Circus. On Lead Center Syndrome. See you next Monday. Peace and love.
Because then I knew Everything they said to me was true When you weren't there for me I still was there for you Whoa.